Welcome to Baba Education Institute. My name is Reverend Henry Kelly. Today, we will be continuing continuing the book of Revelations in chapter 11. And the title of chapter 11 is The Two Witnesses. Can remember as we read that uh, this is based on symbolism and, and uh, then a lot of other of the hermeneutics, you know, like um, allegories, etc., something like that, or like that. But mainly, uh, for Revelation, there's a lot of symbolism involved. Therefore, you need to know what the symbolism means and everything. Because uh, through the years, it's been taken out of context quite a bit, actually. And that's why there's like a whole false belief system that that does not coincide with the the word of God when you actually have the uh, the correct interpretation of it, okay? So after I read the chapter, like I have been doing, I will read in Matthew Henry's concise commentary of the whole Bible, which gives you the accurate meaning of what, um, what uh, John the Revelator is talking about uh, because the majority of all this is done in symbolisms and uh, so forth. So you need to learn, know what that means, and that's what we're studying now. So by the time we get through the revelations, you're going to have the complete correct interpretation in the correct context so you can understand it. Because once you understand it, it's really not that hard. And remember, he was John the Revelator who actually wrote this um, he he was writing it for the church at that time that were that was experienced a lot of persecution, serious persecution. Okay, before we get started, I always like to read what the Bible is, why we can depend on the Bible, and so therefore, if you um, that a way uh, to be able to defend the Bible, which really the Bible doesn't need defending, but uh, when we're trying to defend it or explain it to others who don't understand it, and so therefore uh, other ignorant of what the Bible really is, then you can uh, refute a lot of the false claims by giving them this simple, uh, this, this simple thing that I got from Dr. Vody Bauckham, and he explains what the Bible is in just a few, about a few sentences for, you know, so let's begin what the Bible is, a, re a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses, 40 authors, 66 volumes of books, span of 1,500 years, in three continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe, written in three languages, mainly Hebrew and Greek, a little in Aramaic, hundreds of subjects and topics. So you see the word eyewitnesses during that time in our court system is based on the Bible, especially in the Old Testament. And so part of the thing is for witnesses, for someone to, to witness a crime or something that might have happened or whatever, you need at least two witnesses to verify something. And so there you go. And you had, um, so you had lots of eyewitnesses here, more than just two, you know. Plus everything that works together with the the author's volumes of books. So let's go ahead and get started. And again, I'll be reading the NIV, the New International Version. 
just to make it simpler to understand everything. Um, and it is Revelations, the last book in the New Testament, uh, chapter 11. And I will start reading in one. And then after reading this chapter, then I will, like I said before, I will be reading out of the Matthew Henry's concise commentary of the whole Bible so we can understand it. And Matthew Henry is a great um, is a great commentary, especially if you get the concise one. It's it's not the real big one, the intricate one, but it's one that gives you the basics of it and everything, so it helps you to understand it pretty quickly. And that's why I use it because you have like the regular one and and this one. And remember, in Matthew Henry, this was around the 1700s. Um, so, as per, and you can depend on it. It's been around for a long time. And it's really good. Okay, so let's continue in Revelation chapter 11, verse 1. I was given a reed like a measuring rod and was told, Go and measure the temple of God in the altar with this worshippers. Verse 2, But exclude the outer court. Do not measure it because it has been given to the Gentiles. They will trample on the holy city for 42 months. Verse 3, and I will appoint my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days, clothed in sackcloth. Verse 4, they are the two olive trees and the two lampstands, and they stand before the Lord of the earth. Verse 5, if anyone tries to harm them, fire comes from their mouth and devours their enemies. This is how anyone who wants to harm them must die. Verse 6, they have power to shut up the heavens so that it will not rain during the time they are prophesying. And they have power to turn the waters into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want. Verse 7, now when they have finished their testimony, the beast that comes up from the abyss will attack them. And overpower and kill them. Verse 8, their bodies will lie in public square for the great city, which is figuratively called Sodom and Egypt, where also their Lord was crucified. Verse 9, for three and a half days, some from every people, tribe, language, and nation will gaze on their bodies and refuse them burial. Verse 10, the inhabitants of the earth will gloat over them and will celebrate by sending each other gifts because... These two prophets had tormented those who lived on the earth. Verse 11, But after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them, and they stood on their feet, and terror struck those who saw them. Verse 12, Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they went up to heaven in the cloud while their enemies looked on. Verse 13, At the very hour, there was a severe earthquake and a Tenth of the city collapsed. Seven thousand people were killed in the earthquake, and the survivors were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. At verse 14, the second woe has passed. The third woe is coming soon. Okay, the next section here is the seventh trumpet. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet, and... There were loud voices in heaven which said, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord 
and of his Messiah, and he will reign forever and ever. Verse 16. And the twenty-four elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God. Verse 17, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, the one who is and who was, because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. Verse 18, the nations were angry and your wrath has come. The time has come for judging the dead and for rewarding your servants, the prophets, and your people who revere your name, both great and small, and for destroying those who destroy the earth. Verse 19, then God's temple in heaven was open and within his temple was seen the ark of his covenant and there came flashes of lightning, rumblings, peals of thunder on earth. An earthquake and a severe hailstorm. And that concludes chapter 11. Now we're going to go and read um, from the Matthew Henry, or Matthew Henry's Concise Commentary on the Whole Bible. Okay, let's begin. Remembers chapter 11 of Revelations. Uh, let me see. The state of the church is represented under the figure of a temple measured one through two. Two witnesses prophesy in sackcloth. They are slain, after which they arise and ascend to heaven. Verses 7 to 13. Under the seventh trumpet, all anti-Christian powers are to be destroyed, and there will be a glorious state of Christ's kingdom upon earth. And that's... Uh, Verses 14 and 19, okay? So let's begin. Uh, chapter 11, verses 1 through 2. The prophetical passage about measuring the temple seems to refer to Ezekiel's vision. The design of this measuring seems to be the preservation of the church in times of public anger or else for its trial or for its reformation. The worshipers must be measured as to whether they make God's glory their end and his world their rule. In all their acts of worship, those in the outer court worship in a false manner or with disassembling hearts and will be found among his enemies. God will have a temple and an altar in the world till the end of time. He looks strictly to his temple, the holy city, the visible church, and trodden underfoot. Is trodden underfoot, is filled with idolaters, infidels, and hypocrites. The infidels is that that the rejection of God. That means they're worldly. Okay, let's continue. But the desolations of the church are limited, and she shall be delivered out of all her troubles. In chapter eleven, verse three to thirteen, in the um, commentary. In the time of treading down, God kept his faith. God kept his faithful witnesses to attest the truth of his word and worship the excellence of his ways. The number of these witnesses is small, yet enough. They prophesy in sackcloth. It shows their afflicted, persecuted state and deep sorrow for the abominations against which they protested. They are supported during their great and hard work till it is done. When they had prophesied in sackcloth, the greatest part of uh, 1,260 years, Antichrist, the great instrument of the devil, 
would war against them with force and violence of time. Okay, now remember, Antichrist is a rejection of Christ. Okay. Determined rebels against the light rejoice at as at some happy event when they can silence, drive to a distance, or destroy the faithful servants of Christ whose doctrine and and conduct torment them. It does not appear that the term has yet expired and the witnesses are not at present exposed to such terrible outward sufferings as in former times. But such things may again happen and there is abundant cause to prophesy in sackcloth on account of the state of religion. The depressed state of real Christianity may relate only to the Western church. The spirit of life from God quickens dead souls and shall quicken the dead bodies of his people and his dying interest in the world. The revival of God's work and witnesses will strike terror into the souls of enemies where there is guilt, there is fear, and a persecution spirit. Though cruel is the cowardly spirit, it will be no small part of the punishment of persecutors both in the world and at the great day that they see the faithful servants of God honored and advanced. The Lord's witnesses must not be weary of suffering and service, nor hastily grasp at the reward, but must stay till their master calls them. The consequence of their being thus exalted was a mighty shock and convulsion in the, the anti-Christian empire. E events alone can show the meaning of this, but when Whenever God's work and witnesses revive, the devil's work and witnesses fall before him, and that the slaying of the witnesses is future is future uh, appears to be probable. Just a little side note on um, Matthew Henry, because I know I've, I've told you that um, he was in. That it was written in the 1700s, which is true. Uh, he lived from 1662 to 1714. Uh, he was a British nonconformist minister. That was the um, denomination, and he finished the commentaries in from Genesis to Revelations in 1704. So it's just a little side note there. Okie doke. Let's continue. Now, this section is chapter 11, verses 14 to 19 in um, Matthew Henry's commentary on this part of Revelations. Before the sounding of the seventh and last trumpet, there is... Okay, let me continue. The saints and the angels have know the right of our God and Savior to rule over the world. But the nations met God's wrath with their own anger. It was a time in which he was beginning to reward his people's faithful service, services and sufferings, and their enemies fretted against God and so increased their guilt and hastened their destruction. By the opening of the temple of God in heaven maybe meant that there was a, a more free communication between heaven and earth, prayer and, and praises more freely and frequently going up. Graces and blessings plentiful coming down, but it rather seems to refer to the church of God on the earth. 
In the reign of Antichrist, God's law was laid aside and made void by traditions and decrees. The scriptures were locked up from the people, but now they are brought to the view of all. This, like the ark, is a token of the presence of God restored to his people in his favor towards them in Jesus Christ at the propitiation for their sins. The great blessings of the Reformation was attended with very awful providences as by terrible things in righteousness God answers the prayers presented in his holy temple now opened. And that is that for that section. It's nice to have a way to understand the symbolism in Revelations and what it's talking about. And so that's why having these different books and stuff and like I said you can also get it online too uh, you can you can get Matthew Henry's concise commentary of the whole Bible online but I just like having the books you know because you never know what I'm you know if power goes out or whatever um, or if in the, you know the near future you know it might happen where they'll just take it off you never know what life's going to bring so it's always good to have a the actual books to have Alrighty. So, let me read some scripture. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, NIV. For all have sinned and, f and fall short of the glory of God. Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6, NIV. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. First John chapter 1, verse 8, King James Version. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. First John chapter 2, verse 4, King James Version. He, he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments... Is a liar and the truth is not in him. First John chapter two verse sixteen in version. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. First Peter chapter three verse fifteen in his version. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And that's what many people are trying to do. That's what we're trying to do now. And so I say, well, why do we need Christ? Well, we need Christ because we all have sin. We've all broken God's moral, moral law, the Ten Commandments. Let me give you some, a few more salvation scriptures. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 through 10. King James Version. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in the heart that God raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes in the righteousness, and with the mouth confession made salvation. Romans chapter 10, verse 13, King James Version. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans chapter 10, verse 17, King James Version. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Okay, if we go to the commandments, which you can go in your Bible, the Old Testament, and you can go to Exodus chapter 20, and you will find the Ten Commandments. Okay, and we look at the commandments because it shows us our guilt, because nobody can keep it. Have you ever lied? We all have lied. White lie, little lie, whatever. Didn't tell the whole truth, whatever. It's a lie. Remember, God's standards are very high and now are very low. So what he calls someone that lies, call him a liar. Uh, 
What do you call someone who steals? Have you ever borrowed a pen and bring it back? Have you ever um, borrowed a paperclip or took a paperclip and didn't ask or whatever? It don't matter how much it's worth. It's just the act of it, the intent, you know, never bring it back because we don't care. We don't think anything of it because that's where we are as human beings. You know, we're fallen and we have that mindset. So that's two. And you only have to you only have to break one in your lifetime, period. You did it as a child, whatever, boom, you're guilty, you know. Because if you're doing this as a child, that means, you know, that you have a mind to know better. But, I mean, you know, we've all done it, even as a child, whatever. So we're all guilty. Remember, you have to do it one time. And that's only two. Let me give you another one. Have you ever looked at another person with lust? We all have. Um, that would be the Seventh Commandment. You shall not commit adultery. Jesus says if you do that, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Have you ever hated anyone? According to Jesus, if you hate someone, you've already committed murder in your heart. You see? That's how high it is, and that's how low we are. So what do we need to do? Well, it's like I gave you the, if you go to the doctor and, and you have a problem, he's going to give you the disease first so you'll want the cure. He's going to show you what's wrong with you and like that. Then he says, but we do have this cure if you would like it, you know, whether it's a hard cure whatever it might be. And then you'll want it because you know it. So the cure for our sin is Jesus Christ. See, Christ, he paid the price for all men's sins by uh, walking the earth for three and a half years and giving the good news, which is uh, repenting of your sins and putting your trust in Christ alone. And he allowed the, the wicked religious people, Jewish people at the time, to take him and they had the Romans crucify him. First he was whipped and beaten, and then he was put on a cross, nails in the sand of his feet, which is very painful. And before he died, he said, it is finished. That means the price had been paid. He paid the price. Like if you're standing in a courtroom with a lot of traffic tickets and the judge says, oh, you're guilty, but somebody pays it, he can legally let you go because somebody has already paid the price. It's a similar thing. So what you do? Come with a sorrowful contrite heart. Repent of your sins. Ask God to forgive you of your sins. And then put your trust in Christ alone. Like, take the trust from yourself and put it into Christ alone. And from that point, get a Bible, start reading it. I was, I would advise you to start reading the New Testament first to understand it. Start with the book of John and then go back and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then the rest of it. But John gives you all the basics. You know, find a good Bible-believing teaching church. So you can attend and grow and learn and also learn how to, you know, serve the Lord and work for God. You know, that's because if uh, if we broken God's moral law and we were to be judged, we'd all go to hell. Like we wouldn't go to heaven. You know, would it be heaven or hell? No, it'd be hell because we're all guilty. So so that's how it is. And and in hell there's gonna be a fiery torment. For those that come from the rejection of rejecting of God, rejecting of Jesus. That's why we need Christ. Okay, let me give you some oh, let me give you some resources. Uh, you can watch these guys on Rumble and their uh, websites, Dr. Vodi Bakum, 
You can put his name in the search engine or pick it up, 40 Bauckham Ministries. Living Waters of Great Comfort, livingwaters.com, R.C. Spro, Ligonier Ministries, Apologia Studios with Pastor Jeff Durbin. And Apologia Studios is really good. And you can also listen to the audio on uh, Apple Podcast. And you can go on our website, apologiastudios.com, A-P-O-L-O-G-I-A, Studios, S-T-D-I-O-S dot com and go into their website search engine and you put in the search Dr. Greg Bonson or Bonson New and it'll pull up. Uh, they have all of uh, Dr. Greg Bonson who is a great Bible teacher and professor. Uh, he died so they have the families donated all of his audio teachings recordings to them and they like, remastered them digitally and everything. You can literally get a free seminary education and I've listened to them. They're very good. Okay. Uh, Answers in Genesis with Ken Ham. Answers in Genesis.org. Wall Builders with David Barton. Wallbuilders.com. And he also has a radio show. You can find all this online in, in, in the search engine. And uh, David Barton, uh, he also teaches about the Constitution and American Christian history is really good. Dr. Walter Martin, waltermartin.org. Uh, if you would like to correspond with us, you can go, you can email us at bibleeducationinstitute at gmail.com. We have a website, but it's not working currently, and I'm looking to get a new one. So hopefully in the near future, we will have that. Uh, let me give you some more resources. You can find us on various areas um, for podcasts and listen notes luminary podcast player fm um heliumradio.com helium radio network you can also find us on youtube and rumble spotify apple amazon amazon music overcast chrome g potter firefox safari itunes audible alexa google podbean internet explorer podcast addict Telegram, Getter, Twitter, Facebook, and Gab, and others. Again, the good Bible teachers are Dr. R.C. Sproul. All these can be found on YouTube. Um, Dr. Vody Bauckham, Dr. James White, who's also with Apology of Studios, Pastor Joel Webbin with Right Response Ministries, Doug Wilson, Gary DeMorne, Pastor Jeff Durbin with Apology of Studios. Until next time, oh, I'm sorry, before I get to that, have a few more here um as far as getting like books and stuff i like to go to these particular ones but you can go anywhere aba books a b e b o o k s have used and new thrift books amazon and alibris a l i b r i s and you can go to tc tct network online um tc network you put down a search engine pop it up and go to on-demand programs and go to Faith and History with William Federer and he will teach you about all church history. They used to have Pastor Rabbi Daniel Lappin who taught the Old Testament and ancient Jewish wisdom, but you can find that on YouTube now and also on his website with RabbiDanielLappin.com and his wife Susan Lappin has a blog that you can find it is called Susan's Musings. Really good information to help out. So the next time I read your Bible, Dad, without failing, do what it says.